Hi, welcome to Sidewalk Talk. I'm Steve Fortunato. This is a podcast uh, about storytelling, stories of inspiration, information, and education. Today we have a story uh, to share with you. To me, it's an inspiring story. And then uh, for me, it's also entertaining. So we have with us uh, Chris Hedrick from Blue Skies HD Video and Film Production. Chris um, and I go way back. We worked together in television in the we would say uh, 1930s yeah no the early 90s to the late 90s somewhere in there more mid 90s we, we did a lot of work together so uh and then we probably lost the connection uh as you went to columbus i left uh youngstown ohio ended up back in in buffalo my hometown and then through the the wonders of the internet uh and facebook we we've reconnected and so for me, it's entertaining because I, just talking to you brings back a lot of memories. And I want, we'll get to your story and because you really do have a pretty cool story, how you have pivoted your business in this COVID world. Um, and, it's, and it's been a help to obviously you and your, your company, but also to, to your clients, your customers. So let's get to you and your story uh go back to the 90s so you were a videographer a news so i started out uh graduating high school and i went into the the, the army uh as a journalist the biggest oxymoron there is yeah. military journalist okay right? um got out of the army and wanted to find a job in radio i wanted to be a broadcaster yeah um and i wanted to do sports um i wanted to actually be a play-by-play -play guy uh and just happened to run into somebody who needed help at a local TV studio in Louisville, Ohio. Louisville? And, uh, okay. Louisville, just outside of Canton. Okay. And uh, I, I go there and the guy, I meet the guy that runs this little TV studio. It's a Christian television studio. And um, he's like, do you ever want to learn how to run camera? And I was like, I want to do anything in broadcasting. So I said, yeah, that's fine. He said, this is on a Wednesday. He said, well, why don't you come back on Monday and I'll show you how to run studio camera. So I came back on Monday, uh, started to learn how to run studio camera. Uh, four months after I started, I was doing pretty good. I picked it up pretty quickly. Um, his son was um, the director and he was 19 years old mm. and they had volunteers. The other camera operators and the audio guy was a volunteer. Well, his son got into an argument with the guy who was running audio and he came down. The guy was like 40 years old and this 19 year old kid is yelling at him and he goes to the boss, Denny senior. And he says, I quit. He walks off the job. So Denny came to me and he said, Chris, you ever thought about running audio? <laughs> I said, yeah, sure. Whatever. He says, well, I'll take you to lunch. I'll bring it back. I'll teach you how to run audio. So the next day I was running audio. On the end of the program was a live two-hour uh, program. It was like a variety show. And we had interviews, fundraising, music, things like that. So it was a lot to learn quickly. So I, I started to run audio. <clears throat> I did that for about another four months. And then Denny Jr., who was the director, um, decided uh, he was going to go back to school. So now they needed a director. And Denny Sr. came to me and he said, Chris, you ever thought about directing? And I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'm just hungry to learn about stuff. So same thing, he took me to lunch, came back in the afternoon, taught me how to, how to direct. Now, back then, in, the, in this production, it was, if you were directing, you were also the, the switcher. You, you did the technical directing. Right. You ran Chiron, which was right. the graphics. The graphics yep. And you also ran tape. Okay. So you're doing like three jobs at the same time. So I did that for like another six months. Uh, and then he introduced me to a guy, uh, Mike Tonjes with Image Video in Canton. Oh, yeah, and, uh, I, I used to do games and then, yeah, I remember them. Right, and that's how we actually met. So I, I, okay. Image Video, I started doing freelance work for them. We did a lot of sporting events in Northeast Ohio and then also in Steubenville and that's how we met, you were at Steubenville. 
Right. I was in, I was at channel nine in Steubenville, Steubenville, big red and high school football. So you did a lot of high school football games. Did a lot of high school football games. Oh, it was great. It was great. Some of the best games I'd ever seen in my life were high school games. Well, you, we, you and I, we, you and I, we did, we were talking before we we started recording about a a football game. We covered the AFC championship game. I don't remember what year, but it was the Colts, Jim Harbaugh and the Steelers in Pittsburgh and the stadium was shaking. But that is, and it was super loud. In fact, I got, I was actually, you were a videographer. And so you're doing your thing before the game. I'm on the field with you. And we could feel Three River Stadium just shaking. And I got caught up in the moment. I mean, I was, I wanted, I wanted to play the game. It was awesome. I wanted to be Jim Harbaugh. And uh, in fact, I got in another videographer's way and he tapped me on, because I had no reason to be there. I should have been up in the booth. And he got in my face and yelled at me. But it was the loudest game ever, except the loudest, it was the loudest NFL game I had ever been to. And I'd been to you know, the Browns. Were you with me on the last Browns game against the oh, Bengals? Oh, yeah, we'll we'll against the Bengals, that yeah. That was scary. That was actually scary when people were ripping the seats apart. But the loudest game I was ever in, at was actually a Steubenville Big Red game. Is it called Harding Stadium in Steubenville? It was Steubenville against East Liverpool. I want to say it was a playoff game. You know, it seats like 7,000, maybe 10,000. I don't remember how big. But it's not as many as like Three River Stadium was. It was the loud. I couldn't hear myself talk. Yeah. It was so loud, but high school football in Ohio and Northeast Ohio, it was great. I, I, so you, you, you cut your teeth and so you always wanted to be the, you, you enjoyed the art form of, of broadcast. That's why you were like, I'll do anything. Right. And you started learning. Everything. Absolutely. Yeah. When I, when I grew up, my parents were divorced and the television was kind of like my best friend. Hmm. And, and I remember sitting there watching, I mean, in the early eighties football games and, and, I enjoyed listening to Keith Jackson oh, and just uh, just Howard Cosell. Oh yeah, uh, and I used to watch Monday Night Football. My mom would let me stay up and yeah. watch Monday Night Football, and, she, and eventually she'd yell at me to go to bed. But I, I always wanted to be the person that was was on air doing games, and never thought I'd be a, a videographer or doing the video part of things. But it, it was all the same to me when I when I, I was an adult and I was starving a little bit it didn't really right. matter what i did right. but you were so, you were in the art you right. got involved right. in in the art form right. and, and okay so you learned all, all all those things at the high school level then when did you start did you work at channel nine or did you start at so no I, I never worked at channel nine I, I worked at image video and i did a lot of freelance stuff and that's how i met you okay. that's the first time i met you and and i what's always funny about when you do, and especially as you get into like uh, regional television, whether it's through an affiliate or you're doing broadcast games, you're always running into people that are the fans really know well. Mm-hmm. And so you're rubbing shoulders with them, you know, and it becomes, you, you become less of a fan and you realize that the people are just people, right? Right, right, right. And so there tended to always be these big events you were going to. And just, I remember just the silliness of some of the things. And so um, I eventually ended up working at Channel 33 in Youngstown and then moving on into TV news. But an example of like a silly thing, like when I first met you, the first night I met you, you were doing a live shot for the news and I was running camera uh, for the broadcast that night because we were doing a tape delay of one of the high school games. And it was probably about minus 10 degrees. And I was so cold. I mean, I had hand warmers in my gloves and my hands were still cold. And you showed up and I, and I think I briefly met you and you had a hat on, you took your hat off. And I said to you, you might want to leave that on. And you're <laughs> like, I, I got it. And so you start doing, I mean, what, your news broadcasts were like five minutes long? We did uh, back then. No, we would, so was it six o'clock? Was it pregame? Six o'clock. No, it was six o'clock. It was at the end. It was so after it was six weather. News, and then you. Oh, the okay. Yeah. So yeah, we do five six minutes back. Yeah. Then. So you got five yeah. to six minutes to get through. That's it. Yeah. And about halfway through, your mouth froze because <laughs> you were so cold, and you got done, and you're like, like you're like uh, rubbing your mouth because you couldn't even talk. It yeah. was so cold, yeah. and I think I remember saying, "Should have kept that hat on." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I love those days though. And plus we're in our twenties. Oh yeah. You get whatever pain goes away quickly. You know, that Colts, that Colts Steelers game. Yeah. A a memory I have was uh, 
I, I remember we didn't really like the Steelers that much because their 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 fans were kind of idiots. Well, I, we covered them. I I yeah. I I became when you cover. I mean, I grew up in Buffalo, so in the NFL, I grew up a Bills fan, right? I never. Yeah. I never followed college football until I had to as a job and a career. And I fell in love with Ohio state uh, and didn't realize how good high school football could be until we were out there. But as we've covered the Browns Steelers, like Indians and pirates and all that, I started like, I, I, I rooted for them, but that game you're talking about uh, the underdog Colts and Jim Harbaugh, I was all about it. There must've been a playoff game where they played the bills and we were covering it, and and our and our jackets from WITV were red, white, and blue. They oh. were blue with a lot of red. Yeah, I remember. And those. I remember doing an interview with a fan, and I got the camera on my shoulder, and you're doing the interview. And uh, KDKA, the radio station, or I don't know what it, WDVE or whatever it mm-hmm. is in Pittsburgh, had, Pittsburgh, had handed out black and gold bagels, mm-hmm. and they were wrapped in saran wrap. Oh, and I'm doing the interview and I hear this guy yell out enemy news station <laughs> and they start throwing these bagels at us and they're yeah. hard like pelting yeah. me in the head. Yeah. And at that moment I was like, yeah, I don't think I could ever root for the Steelers. Again. Well, our, our station. Well, so we were in Youngstown. You're, you're, especially when Halfway I was a student. between Cleveland. Yeah. And, so you, and, but we were more Browns. We, we covered the yeah. Browns more than we did. And, and, but, but we would go to Steelers games, but when we, when the Browns would play the Steelers now, so our, our station vehicles were logoed, but we would have Ohio plates. Now we covered the Steelers. So we were, we had news press passes to Steelers. So when we would drive to Pittsburgh with Cleveland plates, I mean, so we'd park the car we'd come back that car was we're lucky we're able to drive it it was urine all over the car (laughs) things that i can't talk about i could but i choose not to because i have a business to operate but yeah i mean people it's it's football i mean in in buffalo now they they're they're becoming famous for uh jumping onto tables right well when we had fans the time of this uh recording we're we're entering the second phase of of covid here so but so there are no fans going to games but but yeah were you with me i i remember when we covered the Cavs. what was the name of the cleveland Cavs uh arena before gundarina richfield coliseum right so i uh i was on the floor was pregame showing i thought it was you you where where you would where is the best i thought even though it's not my job where i thought the best place for you to be because you'd get out earlier during the game i'd have to be upstairs in the press box but i remember kind of talking to you and i was walking and there there was a pregame they were going to play the orlando magic and i wasn't paying attention and i thought i bumped into a wall and i looked up and it was shaquille o'neal i don't think he felt me it's 300 pounds seven foot monster the biggest human being I had ever seen. I mean, he just kind of like didn't didn't he even notice was, I was there. It was amazing. He thought, he, he thought there was a fly on him. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you were with me on that or or not. Or maybe you were. Were you with me when Scottie Pippen went after me? Uh, do you, were you with me when it was it was at Richfield and I got lost and the, somehow I ended up. I was I don't know where I was going because Michael Jordan would do his news conferences. We'd be a group. He would never, you know, not going to do individuals. It was Michael Jordan. He would do it. I wasn't there for that one, but, and I wasn't there for the other, this one, but I do remember the story because I thought, I thought that guy's got a screw loose. And I always thought that. But then you were shooting, uh, it was an Indians, maybe Orioles, and Eddie, and you, you told the videographer oh, to get Murray. a shot of Eddie Murray's no, it locker was, it was, or it something. Was the, it was, we were in Chicago. And he went ballistic. He went crazy. Yeah. <laughs> He went crazy. Uh, it was Jim Bowser was the photographer yeah. because Jim was, we were on the road. I don't know why we were covering what we were covering, but it was obviously Indians. And, and we were, I remember being in Chicago and I went to take a look at Comiskey and then I heard the screaming and Jim had been videotaping Eddie Murray's locker, which I don't know. I mean, I think about it now. Yeah. I mean, you might see some personal things that he didn't want people to see. But we had gotten permission. You don't just do that. In fact, Mike Hargrove had given us permission. And, he, and I, Jim, oh, I looked and Jim's face was like he, I thought he was going to pass out. He was so nervous. And this guy was in his yeah. face. And when I got in there, Mike Hargrove was breaking it up. 
he had run out of his manager's office and he kind of yelled he's like guys get in here and we came in there and he pretty much i said what are you doing you said we could do it he's like i know i know just you know leave it alone i got to stand up for my guys so what do you guys need and then we talked it out and i remember on. we did a, a a steelers game and it must have been right before uh the playoffs because uh the steelers lost and kevin green who had this psychotic persona yeah. about him but i think actually he was a nice guy yeah and you came in and i think everyone had already done the big group interview with him and you stepped in and said, Hey, uh, can we ask you one question? And he just had this like look of rage on his face, you know, and he's like a 250 pound linebacker yeah. and here's us. And, and you, you asked him a question and he immediately like jumped down your throat and trying to intimidate you. Yeah. And you said, well, let, let me, let me, uh, let me just rephrase that <laughs> question. And you asked it in a different way. And then all of a sudden it was weird because he just snapped out of it. He like, realized you know what i think i was kind of being a jerk there and yeah. and then he answered the question you know it's i mean you gotta i had my ups and downs when it was with uh with professional athletes i, I like some of them I, I didn't like others but um i i try to put myself in their shoes which is man they get asked a lot of stupid questions a lot of dumb questions. questions and i also maybe there's a good question but you're going to be asked it four or five times because some i may not have been at that particular time and you know what that's part of their and then the other side of me says what's well, part of your gig is you, you deal with the media and the media is supposed to be uh the voice or the ears for the fans so that we can transmit that information and they can understand what's going on i mean without the fans people loving the sport you, you don't have have much of a sport so you know sometimes it you know i mean it's just like don't be it you know just i'm you know and these, some of these guys make more in an, in uh, you know, in an hour than some of these reporters make in a year, you know, but yeah. I do hear really stupid questions, but, but when you give it to me, you know, it's just like, yeah, come on, I'm just a person and you're just a person. Let's just have a conversation here. And, and, and maybe I can submit something that's going to help your brand, whatever, you know? So, but yeah, I don't know if people realize this, but if you look at uh, sports interviews, it, especially locker room interviews, which they don't really do locker room interviews anymore. It's yeah. all at a podium. Right. But uh, in the like the last 15 years, it's gone from uh, questions to the reporter will just throw out a statement. You're trying to get want, a, trying to get this clickbait. Yeah, and they just want they just want to uh, they just want to have them respond to whatever they're. It's like they're having a conversation when they're not yeah. really having a conversation. You should yeah. just be asking a question. Well, it's, it, I think that's true. I mean, I could have a whole conversation about where the media has gone um, has been really disappointing uh, to me. It's, it's, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen fact checkers. I had talks with people about this before. Fact checkers, I'm like, they're actually putting opinion in the fact checking. It just doesn't really make sense. Uh, I, so I'm not, I'm, and it's a generalization. I'm not saying all journalists are, are, uh, are skewed, but it's, 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 um, more and more it's local seems to be the place to go if you want your national news too because the yeah. national is is all skewed um but i remember back to what you're talking about when i used to do youngstown state football games this is actually after i retired or moved on to a new career after uh, being in television sports i stayed into it a little bit and did sideline reporting for youngstown state football which i loved i loved doing it but jim trestle was the head coach before he went on to ohio state and Jim, I really, if I had a kid, I would want that kid to play for, for Jim Trestle. If I had a, a son that was good enough to play football, I'd want him to play there. But his interviews were just, I would interview him at halftime. Like, why are we doing that? He would say, yeah. he would say the same thing everywhere. The seniors, the seniors are great, you know, and, uh, you know, we're, this is a really good team that we're playing against and we just need to regroup or at the end of the game, whatever it is. It's always, most of the time, it's that's why I'm like, it's not that hard to, I understand the monotony of getting the same questions over and over, but Trestle had it down. He's a perfect politician. He would speak for a minute and literally really say nothing. Right. You know, I think he did that. And I, I was in a lot of his interviews and I just thought that he wanted to control what his play, his own players heard. Yeah. And he also wanted to control what the next week's opponents 
Oh yeah, there's no doubt. He, so he, he didn't want any locker, like he so didn't want smart. any pinup stuff. Yeah, you know, he would. He would it, never get any minimal. Out of yeah, minimal. That was his thing, and that's okay. I, yeah. I completely respect. I respect that. But you, I didn't realize that you. I. I mean, you're you're a professional videographer, photographer. We used to call him photographer, videographer, film maker. You're a professional filmmaker. I didn't realize that you had the. You always wanted to to, to be in the art form of of being behind the mic or on the air that's why you and i connected so well because one of our favorites i didn't know him as a kid uh but was is a sportscaster is a guy named michael ray guy bam yeah bam <laughs> uh, did great i'm sure he's still doing it uh did play by play would call it i mean he had his own unique thing but he was the his voice was the kind of guy that uh i grew up like kind of impersonating like i'd have to be a broadcaster to do that and i always imagine and he would you know it's be a uh elo inside the door and he back out to price from downtown three bam bam in the house <laughs> in the house and i always imagine he'd come home and say, kids how was school today you know yeah. but we loved him we loved him. We, we would always look for his highlights coming down because back then you had the satellite feed and your court would say, well, listen, to, listen to ray guy if we couldn't listen to the whole game and also it reminded me because it was Ray Guy. He's my favorite punter of all time. It was Ray Guy. Even though it's spelled completely different. Completely different. But Sounds like it. Right. That's why I, know, I don't think I ever called you Chris in my life until the beginning of this episode. Right. right. Your name is Ray Guy. Ray Guy. And you call me Ray Guy. Right. And it's, all, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's dedicated to, uh, to our favorite, which would be Michael Ray Guy. So if he's out there listening and watching, thanks. You inspired us. I actually met him. Uh, we we did, did yeah. Uh, oh, I did a couple games with him. Um, we would do, when it was back. Fox Sports yeah. was uh, used to be called uh, Sports Channel Ohio. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. and we would do uh, all the Mac games. Yeah. Basketball. Oh, yeah. He's we, big on Mac. He's, he's the voice yeah. of the Mac. Yeah, we would do. Uh, we did basketball and baseball some of the coldest baseball games I think I've ever done yeah. in my life, yeah. but he would do those games. Yeah. Accurate zips. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they zip the opponent five, nothing Akron with the win. You know why they call them the Akron zips, don't you? Kent state 24 Akron zip. <laughs> in the house, bam, the best, the best oh, classic. Yeah. Great memories great memories and and this is what i mean uh, you know we 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 were we were very fortunate i don't know if people will have have those opportunities as much anymore although there's a lot more opportunity to do things like this we didn't have this opportunity to create your own podcast back then uh so technology advances but we were you and i in the in the early 90s and the mid 90s there was just more i think feel like there was more opportunity especially for things that we like to do which was sports and the art form of sports and using natural sound videotaping. So let's get into, so you're a news videographer, right? Is that what we call them? Yep. Like you're, you're, yep. Um, yeah. I ended up going to Rochester. I, I worked in Rochester for a year. That's right. Weren't you there I, when uh, yeah. Jim Kelly re retired? Yeah. Yeah, you have a no. story about that. I remember. <laughs> that just hit me. That's an old so, story. That's right. You know, when, when, when Hall of Famers retire and they're at the, the podium, they always cry. Right. Because they're leaving behind something that they have done literally for their entire life. And not yeah. only did they do it their entire life, but they did it probably better than, than most. Right. And when, with all of that, you know, that the fans are going to be gone. Yeah. That's tough. Right. That is I mean, they're tough. still going to be there, but you're not going to have that feeling of throwing a touchdown and having, right. you know, 60,000 people just go, go crazy. Right. You know? And so he, uh, we drove out to Buffalo for his retirement he's going it was going to be a a big deal it's going to be on i mean espn was there yeah we covered the announcement live he's on the air and he is crying like yeah. like a child mm -hmm. which that's what happens and, that's right. and hey you can't hold it against him right so it he's on the air crying now we're off 20 minutes of questions i had to go to the bathroom so bad and so all i could think of is just let's get this done because I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I gotta get to the urinal as fast as I can. So we get done, I pack up my gear, I run to 
the bathroom and we're at the practice facility near rich uh, in rich is it uh, what it's called near rich stadium is rich, that uh, not anymore not anymore but no, yeah that's it was what it rich was. rich stadium probably was it rich stadium in the 90s whatever yeah, 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 yeah. okay so they had this big practice facility next to it so yep. we're inside and i run to this bathroom and inside the bathroom there's probably 20 urinals lined up mm-hmm. and i walk in and i step up to the urinal and then someone else comes in. It's just me and one other person. I look over and it's Jim Kelly. <laughs> and he, human. Yeah, just yeah. On the, he was just on the air, crying yeah. his eyes out, announcing his retirement. And I said, what's going on? He's like, not much. <laughs> uh, Were you, oh, did you, uh, last one. Now I want to give you this thing. Um, a classic for us, just the name would be Henry Durando. You remember Henry? <laughs> yes. So we got a scoop that this was around the time Mike Tyson was, you remember he lived up in Trumbull County. Right. Saw your right. video on Trumbull County. That was good, by the way. Um, he, uh, I can't remember where, but it was up with Don King. It was Trumbull County. And we had gotten scoop that he had to make an appearance uh for for part of his uh you know his community service and i think he had to appear in front of the judge for something or whatever we got a scoop that he was going to be there so henry and i getting that wonderful vehicle the lordstown made cavalier and we're going felt like we're going 150 miles an hour but the car could only go 40 you know and it's shaking everywhere you know (laughs) so we get there he gets the seven thousand pounds of gear on and he's sweating and all this we're going all over the place and there it is we we got we got the scoop we were right we were the only ones there except for us and it's an ap photographer so this is pre pre pre-internet or the beginning of the internet but so there was an associated press photographer there i didn't know that at the time but i thought we have this is great we're the only ones with this video which ended up on the network so we were abc abc and uh so uh, Henry gets the gear on and then Mike uh, Tyson, my favorite boxer of all time, gets out of the car with his posse of a bunch of people to lead the way. And uh, Henry is, is backing, you know, you know, it's tough. You're, you're walking backwards and trusting me that I'm going to make sure he doesn't plow into something. So, so it's camera, I'm pointing the camera at you and you're walking towards me and he's backing up and I I got you, Henry. I got you, Henry. I got you, Henry. I got you, Henry. And he's videotaping and I didn't realize there was a curb. So I let Henry down and Henry tripped over the curb and fell, fell backwards. And it was Mike Tyson who helped him up. And Mike's like, it's, it's not worth it. It's not worth. Don't you don't don't get injured. I'll help you. Don't you I'll give you you just read it. He was super nice. So you can't see. Uh, and so the AP photographer was on the other side and took a picture, and it's a picture of Mike Tyson going to help Henry and me trying to catch Henry <laughs> as he's falling, and that photograph was the photograph that was you know however they did it back then and it would end up in newspapers whoever yeah. decided to use that photograph yeah so it was a national photograph of Henry falling and Mike Tyson it's okay going going to catch him great Henry Durando so before I started at WYTV in Youngstown and I was working for image video court TV had just started and they uh, were asked to do the pool for the Jeffrey Dahmer trial in Milwaukee yeah and they and and they court TV didn't have they were hiring people that had like little rack they had would bring in a rack of equipment and they needed a production truck so they somehow they found us and we ended up going to Milwaukee and I spent um, like 30 days in Milwaukee doing the Jeffrey Dahmer trial. I didn't know that. Well, when he was, when we were doing the trial, it was like eight hours a day and just Dahmer facing forward and we could never get a shot of him reacting, doing anything. And it was, you know, by, by the 15th day, it was just like, kind of like, okay, we can't really get a shot of the guy. So my job was to uh, record and then edit a package for the newscast that night on court TV. And, but then I also had to go in and turn all the cameras on. So I had, for some reason, this one morning, I had all these rubber bands around my wrist and I go up to turn the cameras on. And the, the one guy on camera was supplied from CNN. His mm-hmm. name was Dave. And he says, Hey, uh, let me have one of those rubber bands. So he took the rubber band and he set it down on 
the desk where Dahmer sat right in front of his chair. And I didn't think anything of it. And then a couple hours later, the trial's going on. And all of a sudden the director who, who had just been like bored out of his mind perks up in the, in the back of the truck. He's like, stand by two, stand by two. And he takes two and it's a shot of Dahmer's hands and he has the rubber band and he's twirling the rubber band like this. And he zooms out the Dahmer and he's like, the director's screaming, that's the most action I've had out of the guy in two weeks. Well, that, you know, that shot ended up on ABC, CNN, right. CBS, NBC. Yeah. So that was kind of a fun behind the scenes story. And then now speaking of Henry and backing up. Yeah. When Youngstown State won the national championship one year, Football. Clinton, President Clinton, yeah. invited them to the White House. Yeah. And Bob Hannon and I yeah. go to D.C. And we get there, and it took us an hour to get through security with yeah. all my gear. And as I'm standing there, all of a sudden, this Oldsmobile pulls up at the gates of the White House and honks the horn. And security, they look out, and they wave them in, and they open the gates. I'm like, who gets that kind of a treatment? Who pulls up is uh, John Glenn. Oh, wow. John Glenn gets out. So we go into the, the East Room and they do the big ceremony with the president and the whole team. All the players are excited. We go out on the front lawn of the White House and we're interviewing players. And I was young and I, you know, I'd never been in a situation like that where I'm like, I got to get all these shots and interviews quickly because it's happening really quickly. So I'm moving fast. You know, the camera's 25 pounds and the, yeah. the battery on the back of it's about eight pounds. And so I'm backing up because I want to get a shot. I'm backing up. No one's helping me like you were helping mm -hmm. Henry. I back up and all of a sudden I feel bam. And I'm like, oh my God, I just, I just ran into somebody. Like and I hit him hard. Yeah. And I turn around and it was John Glenn. Oh, no. uh, I nailed him right in the head with that, with, my, with the with camera the, pack with that the thing. camera. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And he's like, I'm it's okay. I'm all right. I'm all right. So I apologized to him and I talked to him for a few seconds and then he walks to his car. Now this is when keyless fob remotes oh. had just come out. Yeah. Right. And he goes to unlock his car and he hits the alarm. And so now his car is man on the front of the, the White House lawn. And he's like, he's like trying to hit it and he cannot get it to turn off. Yeah. So I walk over to him and I grab the I grab his keys. I say, here, let me help you. And I beep, beep, and I hit it and it shuts down. And he turns to me and he looks at me and he says, you know, I could fly a spaceship, but I can't turn <laughs> off this stupid alarm. <laughs> <laughs> that's great oh, man. that's great yeah we, um uh what was the one uh, were you with me okay last one were you you mentioned bob hannon bob is now is he the president of the united way in youngstown i think but um did you go with me to atlanta to cover the world series with the indians and and, and the braves that year when we yeah. arrived and there were bob forgot to call in the press credentials no, it was not we, there for that one. Okay, it doesn't matter. We snuck into the world. We literally <laughs> snuck in because we didn't have credentials. It might have been Keith, Keith Bell. Yeah. I thought it was you. No. Where we, we, we decided we're going to put our head down and just pretend because they'll never notice that we didn't have a press pass. And it wasn't you. I had a buddy in Orlando. He covered the national. He wasn't really supposed to be. He had a uh, before and after game credential for live shots. And uh, it was the Super Bowl. But he's either Super Bowl or national championship football game. But he wanted to watch the game. And he's not a big football fan. But he was like, this is going to be a good one I want to watch. So they get done with their live shots. But it's like right up to the game. And security is like kicking everybody out that doesn't have the right credentials. So he's got to coil up all these cables. And he puts them in a bag. Well, he realizes now that the security, they've moved on. And so he's like, well, I'm just going to keep coiling the same cable. So he, he sat there with this uh, uh, AC cable in his hand for two and a half hours, watched the whole Watching game, yeah. watched the whole game. Yeah. And whenever security would want to walk by, he would like yeah, start, wrap it. Start. Yeah, just pretend you're doing something important. Look, look busy. <laughs> look busy. <laughs> Get away with it. <laughs> I, we covered the, we, the 96 Olympics. Wasn't that you with me in Atlanta? 
to nope. do that wasn't you no nope. i don't know who maybe that was with keith well you and i went to atlanta then was it to cover the winter meetings for the nfl when the browns left yeah that's that was us baltimore that and was us. lost your well we went to baltimore too but you went to baltimore and yeah they the airline lost our gear yeah which we probably should not have shipped it that way yeah maybe should have carried it on the plane so all right so you do all that was fun thanks for thanks for taking me back it was good uh good memories so you're a videographer doing news and then you just and what i read and from what i remember from you 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 started your company which is blue skies hd video uh and film production you started it uh out of frustration because you were you decided to do weddings you got engaged and you'd had a bad experience right tell me so this is great this is what's inspiring uh talking with chris hedrick also known as rig guy uh from uh, from uh, blue skies uh, hd video and film production uh you do weddings you also do corporate and you've also pivoted recently into something else we'll get to because of covid but you've you've changed your direction of your career and you you started a business based on what you found a need just tell us about this need so yeah my wife and i we got married and we wanted a videographer that was good and at the time this is 2002 the videographers who were putting together wedding videos it was still cheesy heart wipes you know and mm horrible dissolves and bad music and just real cheesy uh, wedding videos. And I wanted something that was more upbeat, more lively. And so when we actually got married, I, I had other friends that were videographers. They were at our wedding and they, they helped shoot it. We put together this cool little video and we showed it to some people and they were like, man, you got it. That would be, I would love to have had a video like that. And then I was also aided in the fact that I injured my back really bad on the job. And I was out of work for six weeks and I, you know, I couldn't even put my own shoes on. And I thought to myself, I cannot, you know, be a videographer in the news for the next 20, 30 years. It's just going to beat up my body. And I knew that the cameras were getting smaller. And so my wife at the time, she was uh, getting her MBA and she actually wrote uh, our business plan as a project in her, in her, during her coursework. And I remember one of her professors telling her, this sounds like a really great idea <laughs> to start a business. And she said, well, we're actually doing it. So we started our business. Um, I would say at first we were 100% weddings. Um, and we were cutting edge at the time. We were doing stuff that people had not seen, like full videos where there wasn't one dissolve in the video, just fast paced, cuts only, uh, fun, upbeat. Uh, cause you don't want like some somber, like piano solo during a wedding video. It's a happy moment. People want to relive the, the sort of elevated heightened emotion that they have that day. Not, Oh, look at us. They don't want that. They respond better to that heightened sort of sense of emotion. Right. Cause really it's, it's probably your second biggest day in your life where you're going to have heightened emotions. The, the first probably being when you have a kid, I would say completely outweighs your wedding day as far as heightened emotions, things like that. So we started doing videos and immediately took off because our style was completely different. Fast forward to today, our, our style is probably, there are a lot of companies out there that do what we, that we do. Um, at this point though, we have over a thousand weddings under our belt. And so we have seen everything. Um, any situation that comes up during a wedding, uh, we've seen it happen. We can either fix it before the bride and groom either know that it happens. Um, and that, that's not necessarily just things that may go wrong with us, but may go wrong with other things that are happening that day. And when, when wedding vendors, they'll know this when I say this, but we all tend to work together the day of and make a lot of things happen that the, the bride and groom and the family don't know about because we want it to go seamless for them. And you don't really need to be going up and asking, you know, for permission to do things or why would you ask somebody, can I make this right? This is going wrong. Can I make it right? 
you would never do that. You would just do that. And, and in business, you would do that as well. So um, we started doing those and then uh, quickly got into doing medical videos and uh, Nationwide Children's Hospital, which is one of the best children's hospitals in the country, if not the world, um, they got a new CEO and they really started taking, you know, YouTube had been around for a while, but their YouTube page was, eh, it was okay. Um, and they had some shifts in marketing and we had some connections there. And we started doing um, exclusive videos for Nationwide Children's Hospital. And, and the, our style and the storytelling that we brought to the table, it was almost as if we were an extension of their marketing team. And we did so many videos for them that their viewership on their YouTube page went from about, you know, two to 300 views on any particular video to now when they do a video, it's anywhere from five to 10,000 views. Um, and in fact, we did so many videos for them and helped them build up their YouTube page that we ended up eventually, and this is not a bad thing, um, we worked ourselves out of a job basically because that now you you've you build up the company's video portfolio and the need is there that they were they they thought well we should now just go and hire somebody so they ended up actually hiring another producer and two videographers uh, to do what we were doing for them but that experience then led us into doing uh, videos for other hospitals in the region we've done stuff all over the country uh, for medical. Uh, we really know how to work with patients. Um, and that's that news background that kind of comes in. And you'll know this. When you go in, you're doing a sensitive story. You need to be able to produce the video, but then also have compassion for the people that are involved. And it's, you're never going to start interviewing a mother about, about their child that has cancer. And when you start the interview, yell out, rolling! You're never going to do that because that's just, you, you need to take that wall and that sort of element out of it altogether. And you just tap the person, the producer on the shoulder and say, and give them a thumbs up. All right, we're good to go. Let's, let's go. Well, that's an art form of storytelling too. You know Absolutely. how to tell a story and your background of those years in news will help you know how to, because you had to, you had to craft you know, you would work with the, with the reporter and craft a minute and 30 second package. So you know about story, you know, the, the right way to tell a story. So you're probably going through this as you're interviewing people, showing the compassion, as you say, but you're also in your mind, you know, when you have gold, you right. already know right. 17 second soundbite. And it's, and I always say this, when you're, whether it's testimonials, the kinds of things you, when you're, when you're telling stories, authentic stories that are not scripted, which is what you do and which is what it connects people to people. It's almost more important. A lot of times how they say it rather than what they say. In right. other words, when they have that, it, it might be a, a, a 12 second soundbite that is two words, but you can read the emotion on their face and hear it in their crackling of their voice or whatever. It doesn't have to be sad either. It can be happy. Right. But um, emotion is what connects people and it's authenticity, not the scripted stuff. And so I think that's where your strength is, is you know how to tell a story and you do it utilizing your, your video abilities as well as your audio abilities. Audio is really important when it comes to video, isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, the big, the big thing about uh, preparation is probably the biggest thing when you, when you're doing an interview and you know, it's going to be emotional um, and, and then there, are, I mean, I guess you kind of like have to let it happen sometimes, yeah. but I would say definitely, um, there are people that are going to get emotional right away, or they're going to wait till the very end. And from, a, I mean, this is a selfish reason for me, but as a videographer, um, and an editor, you almost don't want your, the person to get emotional in the middle of the interview because they really look different physically. And so now you're, you're trying to edit that together in a way. Some, some sound bites come after the emotion happens that yeah. are more open and free and they, they feel better because it's like a weight has been lifted uh, when they do let it all out. Mm. But then physically they look completely different. 
So you can almost tell in an interview, in a story when that, you see that shot of that person and they look different yeah. in the different shots. It's kind of an art form, knowing how to try to control that a little bit. You can't always control it, yeah. uh, obviously, because people will just do what they want to do. Yeah, if they're going to go somewhere, if they're going to, if the, if the, you're not going to cut them off from, how uh, you're, you're going, you're on something, you're not going to say, listen, uh, can we save that for later? I yeah, no, wanna. you're not going to do it. It's because, no. yeah, you're going to, you're, you're <laughs> but that's an art form of storytelling, knowing when you should cut or when you should let someone go. Yeah. You know, let them, let them go. So there, there have been times when we've done stories that you almost feel like they, they wow, they don't get it. They, like you're interviewing somebody and you're like, do they realize what's happening? Uh, I did a story about a kid who was a, a middle school um, football player and he got a really bad stinger. And I mean, he couldn't feel his legs for like 10 minutes. Mm. And he was from Upper Arlington, which is, you know, mm -hmm. football powerhouse in yeah. Ohio. Ohio. And, and he just, all he could think about was football, 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 football. And his parents were even the same way. They're like, you know, my kid's going to go and play at Upper Arlington. He, he might go on to Ohio State, you know, and he might be a pro. And he's a seventh grader mm. and here he's, he's got a, that's a spine injury. Yeah. You know, it's not just a, Oh, you were out for a few minutes. Yeah. So we did a story on them and while we we're interviewing them, they're just in denial that mm. this is a real thing. But then we had the doctor's interview and we had an expert on spinal injuries and he was just basically saying that if you've had a stinger like this at such a young age, you really should probably never be playing football again. Oh. And there was, he had examples and these you know, strong kids who like were just, they went back and played again and had a, a reoccurring injury and it was, you know, devastating to them. And so we aired that story. And two days later, the mom called us back and she said, thank you so much for wow. doing that story. Our kid is never playing football again. Wow. And it was, it was just amazing the, the storytelling, the, the power of it got through to that family where if maybe we hadn't have done that story, they might have continued down that path. We, I don't know. Wow, that's pretty cool. I don't have a story to match that. <laughs> don't have that's a topper. Just, yeah, that's just one. That's, yeah, just that's, one. that's pretty powerful. But that, that, that also goes to, I mean, there's journalism in there too. So yeah. you have, it's almost like a lawyer I learned from my dad, you ask the question and then you don't get the answer that you're looking for. They're holding back. So ask it again, just in a different way. Then, yeah. then you ask it again in a different way. And then again, in a different way without them knowing that you're at really asking the same question, right? Trying to get what the information that you need or the emotion or whatever, but you were able to tell that story, which connected with her. That's pretty cool. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. So you, your, your, your company, the weddings, the corporate thing through the hospitals, but then, then COVID hits. And I find this really interesting in the story you told me, I'll let you tell it, but the, you know, I mean, COVID uh, business wise has affected all small businesses across the country. And uh, obviously there weren't a lot, there haven't been as many weddings uh, during COVID. Um, corporations aren't exactly having people, you know, there's not a ton of things going on. So you guys were business-wise, you're in trouble, right? Tell, tell me about the, 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 what, the conversation that you had uh, with your wife, uh, Julie, who runs the company with you. Tell me, tell me how that went down and the pivot. So Mar yeah, March, March hit and we had our year pretty much booked out. Um, and like I said, about 30%, 40% of our business are our weddings. Right. But then we also have event videography where we do big events for corporations right. along with the actual production of, of stories. Uh, it, it just disappeared. Hmm. Uh, luckily the wedding side, people didn't cancel. They postponed. So, so our, yeah. our spring summer weddings moved to the fall and then even to 2021. Um, but then our corporate clients, the events that they had scheduled those, those went away. And so uh, we just saw it disappearing and we were just, what are we going to do? You know? And so we were looking at all the, all of the different options and being self-employed uh, you know, we didn't get it. There was no stimulus, stimulus check coming our way. There was no unemployment coming our way. Uh, 
it, it was really left up to us. What, what are we going to do? And I, I'm blessed in that my, my business partner is also my wife. So um, she has the same stake in it that I do. And, I'm, and where I say I'm blessed is that she literally can sell a free magazine. She's amazing. And so uh, when, when she puts her mind to it, uh, the creativity that she has really, I think, saved us for the most part. Uh, we, we had, and I thought every family had up, ups and downs. We had a day where uh, we were having a down day uh, sitting around and I, I, I looked at her and I said, you know, we, we got to do something. Nobody's going to come and, and save us and rescue us. You know, no, there's no help on the way. We have to do this on our own. And so uh, we went to lunch and, and I asked her, I said, who, who really is like hurting right now? Like they've been charged with, we have to do some, like we have to do something and we don't know how to do it. And, and how can we help? And she looked at me right away and she said, and I'll give her this credit, high school principals, high school principals need video right now because we started talking about graduations. And I think we even had a conversation about this a couple of days earlier that all the graduations were getting canceled or they're trying to move them back. And, and I remember um, just talking to her, like, you know, most people get a high school degree and they graduate from high school, but not everybody gets a college degree. And then even some people who get college degrees, they don't even care if they just mail it to them. The graduation itself is not, it's sort of a rite of passage. You know, families really look forward to that. And this is just being ripped away. And so we developed a plan to where kids could actually cross the stage. Families could see them and receive their diploma. We'll videotape it. We put it together. So we put this plan together, sent a mass email out. We never send emails out of mass emails. So we sent a mass email out to all the high school principals. And the next day, they just started calling. And so we ended up, what was turning out to be probably our worst May in 18 years that we'd ever had uh, turned out to be actually one of our best because we ended up doing uh, like 10 graduations, um, helped schools figure out how they can do this safely. Um, and so uh, I, I give all that credit to, to Julie, my wife, because she came up with the idea. Um, she saw it through and we ended up, I mean, it really, it really did save us because it got us through uh, the summertime until our business started picking up again. So it, it, somebody else out there, whatever their business is, they're struggling, trying to figure it out. I mean, why don't you put, speak to somebody uh, that might be in your situation now, the situation you have, maybe it's hitting them or maybe they haven't busted out. What is it that you can, uh, it, what advice can you give to a, a, a sole proprietor or a business owner, small business owner right now? I mean, to me, I look at you, it's inspiring. You figured it out, yeah. right? But I love yeah. what, 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 you know, cause we, we keep, we feel sorry for ourselves quite a bit, you know, right. how, how can you, what, what advice can you give to somebody to bust out of that? You know, it, it's really about uh, fear you know, everybody in a situation like this, and even even now, I mean, we're it's still uncertain how things are going to go, and trying new things. And this is even just starting a business on your own. Period. With even without COVID, is let's say, uh, let me let me back up. So, like Julie's dad was a very he's a very regimented person. He always worked a forty hour a week job, made sure he had good benefits, and now he's he's reaping those benefits in retirement, but he, he always just was that go to work nine to five or six to two, come home 40 hours a week, kind of a guy. Right. And she, that was kind of her mentality at, at first. But then when she went through her MBA and being married to me and I kind of have a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit, uh, we branched out, we started our business. And anytime you start your own business, it's a leap of faith. Right. And with COVID, let's say you have your own business and it's been successful and now this is getting in the way. You, I mean, the, you said it earlier, uh, the word pivot is cliche, but that's what you have to do. You have to 
think a different direction, you know? And, and the only thing in your way of doing that is being afraid of the unknown, right? So yeah, unknown is, my, that's, yeah, that's, that is, I always think my, if you can figure, if you, if, if, if you know there's going to be surprises, then there won't be any surprises. Right. So my dad told me early on, I was a young kid. I was playing baseball, first time playing baseball. <clears throat> absolutely. I was absolutely terrified of striking out. <clears throat> so what would I do? I was just didn't know what to do. I was just sort of handicapped by the fear of striking out that I wouldn't swing the bat. So what happens when you don't swing the bat? They just throw it right down the middle and you strike out looking. Anyways, you're striking out anyways. <clears throat> but you, you, there's no chance, he used to tell me, there's no chance of you getting a hit unless you swing the bat. So you gotta swing the bat. So next time I went up to the plate, I swung the bat and I made contact and it ends up between the shortstop and the second baseman and I'm on first base. And as a little kid, I'm like, what's i mean now that i look back on it like just such simple advice but to a little kid that was huge right so next time i'm up i'm swinging away now i'm striking out swinging but at least i'm trying to get the hit if you don't swing at all you're not gonna you're not you don't even have a chance to get a hit you don't even have a chance to ground out the third you know so you've got to swing the bat. And, and when it comes to business and whether it's just starting your business or trying to come up with that idea that's going to help you survive this, you have to go for it, you know? And that's the only way I can describe it is you just got to, it's going to be scary, but you got to just deal with it, right? And you have to live with that fear and overcome it and try something, right? Because, hey, it's better to go down fighting than, than to go down not doing anything at all that's almost it's almost risk reward too i mean there is no reward right if you don't take some type of risk and the only thing that can happen is bad if you're in a bad situation so you're right. going to have to do something to uh to turn it around and like we said it's cliche but it is a, it's a word we're using in business now and it i it speak I pivot yeah. You have to figure it out. So what you're saying is figure it out. You know, when you see to me, when, when someone started their business in the first place, they had a plan, right? They had the courage. So you had the courage to do it in the first place. What you're saying now is just regain that courage. Right. Yeah, it's, it's an unknown, but come up with a strategy and a plan and take a swing and go for it. Have, I think it also comes down to confidence, right? I mean, look at the platform that we're talking to on today, Zoom. Who heard of Zoom a year ago? Not that many people. It was there, but I mean, it's not like it's now it's normal in yeah, our lives. I used to want to go to. Yeah. Right. And you get a lot of things done with it. I mean, we, we did, we had the ability to rent stuff out and do things live and live streaming things a year ago. Uh, but it wasn't in house. And uh, so with requests coming in for streaming, I mean, I, on, on faith, I went out and I, I purchased gear and, and having technical directing and directing experience, I'm like, yeah, I can do that. And so bought the equipment and just basically on faith that I know we can make that work, uh, got set up and now we're doing streaming productions for people that, that need it. I mean, look at the people that are struggling, theaters, not, not movie theaters, but you know, people that put on musicals and plays, right? They can't do them. So we've done uh, several drive-in theater type productions where the small cast are doing productions on stage and, and we've got robotic cameras and we can uh, have one person in the booth so that we don't have multiple crew members in the, in the room and we can do a live production and, and send it to a drive-in theater to where these theaters can still have performances and keep going. It's amazing how creative you can get to, right. to, to keep things going as normal as possible. So if somebody right now is like, yeah, you know, that's a cool, that's a cool idea. I, I have an event, maybe it's a play or whatever. And I, I, I want people to be able to experience it. Can't do it in person. So, so what do they do? I mean, your, your website is 
uh, blueskieshd.com. But the focus, because this is your pivot has been recent and it's been very successful. So you're super busy doing that. There's not a lot of information on this pivot. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to see information on weddings, which by the way, you're going to be back in business here soon with that uh, right. over the next, you know, this, this summer. Right. Yeah, I, I assume oh, yeah. Corporate videos, but I, I, I don't learn much about it on the web, the, the streaming section of it. So I'm assuming we we're, you want us to encourage people just go to the website, grab, give us a phone call. Phone number's there, right? Yeah, phone number's there. It's 614-890-4045. And when you, when, uh, you call that number, uh, our owner and CEO, Julie, will answer the phone. All right. And phone conversation, it's amazing. It's old school technology, right, right. but there's so much information that can be given over the phone because, and I, and I found this with a lot of clients, sometimes they go in with an idea that is either too small Right. or it's too big of an idea and we can help them get it to where it needs to be for what they actually want. And a lot of, in a lot of cases, they don't really know what they want, you know? And so uh, Julie's an expert at, at crafting that piece uh, to fit within the budget and then to also deliver uh, the video product that you actually want. And then right. you need. It's blue skies hd.com blue skies hd.com visit That's there it. learn more by the way ray guy this is the longest sidewalk talk in sidewalk talk history so congratulations thank yeah. you yeah no, hey i got a question for you if you wanted yeah. to do business with somebody in the south how do you explain shovel the sidewalk to people in the south where there is no snow Right. See, it's not actually about shoveling the snow. You see, what happened, the, the, the company was, the idea for the company came when I saw, when I was working with a client, I was actually in radio at the time. And uh, they, it was a C store, a convenience store, and they did a reopening. It was awesome. They like had free pizza. Everyone was dressed. It was great. And um, everything was perfect, except it had been to snow that day. I think it was in March and it happened to snow that day and they weren't prepared. And people were like walking in like, Oh man, their feet were all wet. They're, they're, they're walking through the snow. And I said that it, it's common sense marketing that everything you do affects your brand. So it could be, you know, name of the company could be uh, don't be an a-hole when you answer the phone, but I didn't think that would go over well. So it's like, uh, or, or don't rob a bank wearing the company t-shirt, you know, um, so it's really about making sure, just understanding that anything you do, good or bad, if you have a great front person answering the phones, you know, in this situation, it's Julie, if she's going to do a great job. That's not, you can't have a bad day. And I realized that when we were in news, it's like, you could have a bad day. I remember a friend of mine died. I found out at 3.30, I had a six o'clock newscast. This was Oh, it was in Youngstown. So a friend of mine from Steubenville had died. I don't know if you knew Tiki. He was a director, but he had passed away. And I found out at 3.30. That's a bad day. Yeah. And, and there's no substitute. So, and, and when you're on at 6 o'clock, it happens to be live. And so that was a rough day. Um, you can't just go on and you're, you know, like if you're a disc jockey in the morning and your job is to laugh, you got to laugh. Yeah. You know, you, so otherwise it's going to affect your brand. So everything you do affects your brand positive or negative. So if you don't shovel the sidewalk to your business on a snowy day, that's actually a marketing problem because people will have a bad experience with your brand. So that's a long answer to a, to a short question. So you know, nothing and, to do with snow there, Ray guy. And keeping in control of that uh, brand, don't ever pass out free company t-shirts. Right. That could be Never. dangerous of who's wearing your, yeah, who's wearing your brand. That's a great that's right. point. That's a, that's, and we, we, we have these six steps that we take all of our clients through. And one of them, step number five is protecting the brand. And that would be, you know, make sure you're protecting the brand. It's not just about growing, it's protecting. And one, you know, I just had a conversation yesterday with someone. Oh, I know it was about, it was, a, uh, it's a little bit political and I want to get too political, but it was about, uh, you know, uh, just, uh, do what I say, not what I do kind of thing, which has been happening with COVID. A lot of, a lot of politicians visiting oh, restaurants yeah. when, when, when they shouldn't be. Uh, but you talk about ruining your own personal brand. 
that's not good for the brand. No. No. So does that make sense now, Chris? I know it does. It does. So in fact, we do have a client in the South, in South Carolina. I can shovel the sidewalk in Florida if I'm down in Florida. You could shovel the sidewalk anywhere you want to be. And I know you are in Florida right now. I can see it's sunny and warm, but you got your little Florida Christmas tree. So that's, (laughs) that's wonderful. That is very nice. Very nice. All right, Ray Guy. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Again, that's uh, Chris Hedrick. He and Julie run uh, Blue Skies HD Video and Film Production. Um, BlueSkiesHD.com. Appreciate you sharing your story. I had a great time uh, with memories, sports memories, even though that ate up most of the time. And we're supposed to be talking business, but uh, it was it was good talking to you and seeing you again, Chris. Thanks, Steve. All right, Ray Guy. Uh, so listen, you can... Um, you can consume any of our, our podcasts, our Sidewalk Talk podcasts on any channel that you want, you know, however you get your podcast. You can also visit our website, shovelthesidewalk.com. And there is, a, uh, is, our, is a, all of our podcasts. I think we're up to like 80 now. Uh, and, or if you have a story of inspiration, information, education, or you know of a story or somebody that you think we should be talking to, uh, go ahead. There's a form there, fill it out, and then we'll go ahead and contact you or that person and and we'll get them into an episode soon so thanks again to ray guy also known as chris hedrick out there at blue skies uh video and film production thank you out there for uh, watching listening and participating i'm steve fortunato and this has been sidewalk talk